Recorded live in Manhattan's East Village at St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, this is The Poetry Project. We have a special introducer tonight. Ted Dodson is here, who will introduce Marjorie Wellish. We'll take a five-minute break, and we'll come back with Michael Davidson. Ted, come up. Ted, will you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm, I'm Ted Dodson. Um, I am the now former editor of the Poetry Project newsletter. Um, and I was also Marjorie's student at, uh, at Brooklyn College. Uh, so I'm going to start with actually with a, a poem from uh, Professor Wallace's book, uh, The Windows Flew Open, which is from 1991. The poem is called Publicly Silent. Events do not imply they are sealed off from each other. You move so rapidly through awareness, and the self-awareness drizzling over it. We hold on to each other, a bird and its beak. But awareness brings us to the intersection of perishable paper, and quietly strolls our eyes along the cut as it makes of our two bodies, two celestial phenomena, desire and knowledge, telling of many cuts in situ, until aware of our eyes in situ, although halved, to draw our injury along the cut and make of our body two, an exact of our two repossessed bodies a rent which falls from rock to rock to rock. To bear it, Barbara Guess Surprise is one of Marjorie Wallace's gifts. Surprise as a deployment, not a casual stumbling block. Surprise as a tactic, as a cut. I read this poem partly as a response to John Ashbery's 40s flick with these filmic allusions to editing of cuts to the silent public and the moments of melodrama falling from rock to rock to rock. But where Ashbery would inscribe the conflation of a kitsch, everydayness, and the poetic object, Wellish inhabits the narrative, the syntax of the thing itself, and performs a cut. And from this splice, this errata, a test of interpretive tolerance. Where does hermeneutics inhabit a language's architecture? And where does it transform structure. Jacques Tati's 1967 film, Playtime, composes its inhabitants, however hapless, as conscripts of a modernity that has been suddenly activated in downtown Paris. Inside these shots, occupied by clean steel frames and broad glass facades, the film narrativizes a series of follies and gags, exposing the tension of an adjusting humanity though is forthright in not making stark decisions whether that humanity as a notion is a characteristic of people or modernity itself. Who, in this sense, is the architect of humanity? Who is its author? I bring this up not to deduce an influence, more a kinship. Wellish's poems are not filmic in the sense that they read as such, but her love of poetics in the abstract allows for a critical fluidity, 
for a cross-medium thinking, a semiotics not only of a poem and poetic language, but of poesis and making. The Poems of Wellish's new collection, In the Futurity Lounge, Asylum for Indeterminacy, continue this work of narrative transformation as poem, destabilizing the critical source code of modernity. In this, Wellish disallows her subject's recuperation, casting herself as meta-architect of indeterminacy, the lounge of which she has drafted in its pages and filled with her cuts. As she writes, errata are not universals, so they belong here, clumped in puddles. Everybody please welcome Marjorie Wellish. Thank you, Ted, and thank you all. So I shall read from two books and uh, read a few poems from a manuscript to be published. The manuscript is called So What, So That. But from Isle of the Signatories, I'll read part one of Art and Language Rights and Epitaph. Yes, I mean art and language, the conceptual art group. One, invective in perpetuity, clear, glass, square, leaning. Let's write all over the place. If then, if not, then what? Counterclockwise, placated, low pressure. Tinted, linen, oblong, folded. Let's write here. So what? Duo, adumbrated, subsequently. Streaked, vegetal, white, bending. Wall, you are mine. Then and only then. Paragraph, valorous. General remark number forest. We speak all languages. Suppose that here lie the mortal remains of practice. Green, wood, stacked, wet. Rename it. If there are finitely many, unlettered, a new archive, nylon, string, tacked, wet. Let us tell you how to exploit us. Exit. Sentence here interred, steel, wire, plate, frayed. Let us tell you how to exploit us. Let us do what we want. Devoted phrase, coffee, Spill, pages, buckle. Just do it. If yes, then. Here lie the mortal remains of practices. Coffee, soaking, rare, monograph. Rename it. Now it is your study copy. The gift. Streak, fermenting a mark. Rules, governing, ordinary, vague. Let's attempt to think, what if? I'm very interested in the threshold, if that is the word, 
um, wherein inscription can be seen as well as read. So from Dedicated to, for Keith Waldrop, I'll read a few entries. One, this copied distance, Mallarmé, any carte de visite puts us in mind of his having been there. We shall have left tickets in your pseudonym at the ticket window, an index, carbon copies, the chorus wore shades as they chanted and digested the narrative. He wore, they said to say to her that he wore her breakaway work. Again, the incident, deploying self in self-addressed envelope enclosing signed lease, commemorative rubbing face down. For number four, I'll read the footnote first. Inscription commissioned by Sia Armijani for a plaza railing at the approach to Bentley Hall, Department of History, Ohio University, Athens, Ohio, rejected. Are all contingencies in effect? Okay, okay, okay. Of or relating to antecedent future sentences increases, as insofar as even as yes, of which antecedent future increasing salvage do we write? What shall have been our because pageant? The art of if then. Sia did include uh, part of a poem of mine vastly inferior to this, I might say. Um, nine. In collaboration with agriculture, selected writings of nature, edited and with an introduction by lyric, from the Notebooks of Catharsis, translated and with a commentary, lyric, more and more frequently alone, sometimes nature, became lineated with a view to history, cannot so easily be real. Agriculture composted history, detaching itself from sculpture built upon the site, nature upon his right, dilated upon benefit. To carry the message to history, history, tempted to write at inordinate length, came to increase and perplex access read at a distance, agriculture abridged. 10. Avenged, pardoned. Seventeen, walls, entirely quieted, faint green. That column, a social condenser, circa 1920. Vault, iterating categories when categories were. Two or three more of these. Twenty, 
Inscription on the reverse of a glance, the reversed glance of literature, only in the garb, your thong, in textual vortex, your tongue, throughout thoroughly stared at, sixth hieroglyph from the left. And one more of these. 27. Tomb of the Unknown. Name, date, name, birth and death, place. Name, halfway between, together with, birth and death. Address, name, lineage, place, dates, in virtue, name, address, occupation, date of birth, place of birth, the entire gamut of mother's maiden name, in its number, in its numerous details, sex from henceforth, last name amplified, preferred mailing address inverted, telephone at the periphery, home address substituted, Telephone redistributed as a given. Title of present position include name of institution, if any. Place of birth, date of birth, sex, citizenship omitted. Educational summary, a left and a right. References off-repeated. Signature. Um, yes, uh, in the Futurity Lounge, Asylum for Indeterminacy, is in two parts. Both parts are textual, but the first part <clears throat> treats uh, works of architecture, sites, and museological assemblages <clears throat> as text to be read. So, for instance, uh, here is Falling Water, uh, or there is the student center at IIT done uh, by Rem Coolhouse, um, the High Line. These have decided um, uh, culturally marked positions. But the second part of the book is called Asylum for Indeterminacy, and it rings changes on Baudelaire's correspondences. Not, they're not approximations of the poem. They are deformations, or at least if I have anything to say about it, they are. So I will read a few of those. <clears throat> Asylum for Indeterminacy. As though unintelligible, forests entertain humans as mere kindergartners. Correlative nature is a babble. To nature, humans are as simple as ABC. Correlatives, if nature appears in read only, man appears already written. Correlatives, legible if unintelligible, is nature to man. To nature, human nature is intelligible, evidently. Forests are synagogues polyglot to the man walking by, staring back. Walk-in signage that issues 
from a provisional simultaneous babble of want confronts us. Put another way, walk-in signage that issues from functions knows us better than we know it. At first, a forest bewildering to us. Then a forest wild with possibility deciphers us as novices amid growth. Enter. Exit. Exit. Exit, yet, but, exit to the book. Meanwhile, I had had in mind a featured mention. Exit, yes, but, for Zizek. Exit, because, for Habermas. Non-revocable mention. Make or revoke your objection. The vocalizing of recess or database of strike-throughs, of strikes striking the base strikingly. Exit. Yes, but, exit as if, fictive, the very page. They would disabuse us of identity, irascible ink, preferable, the fact, the fact of ink's skittering microeconomics in the long ennui. We see the pillars of nature that stare back nature knowingly, knowing more than we who notice. We endure nature, we hear murmurs in temples, gather foreign stares of those entities. Exit. We endure nature, nature's staringly kindred pillars and authorship of us. Introduced and edited by... Hear it, a temple, giving off thermal sounds and and wars wor- words in non-contemplative crosstalk from which catchphrases overphrased have written to the point of, of, of Antilos, Russell, and Seaton to catch sight of our odors, the yclept musk amber, grease, decay, intimate reunion of a skeptical sort with greenish greens, taste, taste, wood, the woods ensemble, evocative. And because I can't stop from writing these, whatever they are, here's another. Not P. Correspondences, correlatives, reciprocities, synonyms. If I promise not to mention the P word, approximations, deformations, interpretations, objects of all sorts, allow confused words to arise, utter a babble of words. In what sense do Z and H transmit, goes by, transverses it? Observe, watch, look, peruse, eye, size up, through, familiar with knowing. In what sense do they recognize us, even as we may not recognize Erupt, sweat, what, unpremeditated future metabolizes, goes by, traverses it, transmits, timbre, approximations, deformations. Deformations would be one way out. Electronic, acoustic approximations, deformations, as in disintegrating charcoal. 
In what sense do they recognize us even as we may not recognize decay? Do they recognize us even as we may not recognize woods, words, or wood, wind? Open cylindrical air column, columns, living pillars, temple, as we may not recognize air, where living pillars sometimes, pillars sometimes, some unintelligible logic allowed it, disallowed it, associatively to arise. Man goes by. Refraction, reflection, interference, diffraction, which observe him with familiar familiarity, family, long acquainted with. Man goes by, out of phase, man. Um, Again, back to in the Futurity Lounge, from the first part, I'll read two poems before reading new works. Wanted. Zurich at the Cabaret Voltaire on 5 February 1916 versus Dada emerged through the antics of multilingual bourgeoisie from Eastern Europe who acted on their prerogative as cosmopolites, frustrated in their attempt to assimilate into the dominant culture. Dada began and ended at the Cabaret Voltaire on 5 February 1916. It began and was begun by me at the Cabaret Voltaire on 5 February 1916. Dada began whenever and whether it liked, but Dadaism began for export only, versus Dada emerged in fits and starts, in dialectical dialect, and in trespass of Sambalese property, ever more plastic vocables careening from root to ferment in fermented love of ridicule, also broke rule to cancel family contract and was exiled, exiled himself then to be his own pueri turnus. What not to do next, she conjectured of him, benefited transit. Start erupted versus break up of ice, then way of life, habitually ecstatic, vehement symposium and or riot-provoking front page stress outflanked by the left. Wasted in the provinces, Dada remained heresy until witnessed internationally on 5 February 1916 at the Cabaret Voltaire versus Dada stirred idiosyncratically, patently never finished emitter of filibuster and backspace cascading through the loophole provided by the stage grabbed the joke, belatedly some say folklore, Breton did say translating, to be loved by another. Dada was officially christened on 5 February 1916 versus yes, But everyone knows the lie traveling through the lie, and this is it, a point. The line is alive, and this lie is a point, the point. The point of it all is 5 February 1916 versus the 6 o'clock news is not the point. It is a pom-pom, bluff, and hedge, a pep talk to become knowledge retroactively. Nature knows no form and no concepts. Versus, 
Nature knows no form and no concepts as itself a concept. In the beginning was Dada, verses. Becoming aberrant may have reached a flashpoint. Here, here, and here alternatively might have had. Here coercively, not to mention here and there in May 1915 in diaspora. You, you, yo, yo, you, you, yo, yo, or else versus Frightwig yourself. The last poem I'll read from in the Futurity Lounge is Flags and Their Discontents. One, brand name of the ancient city, your namesake for our ancient city, ancient unrest and eccentricity, Unrest epitomized by the bite, even keel immersed in sights, and look, name recognition. Ancient preferences for ancient epiphenomena and nomenclature. Ancient unaccented rubbish, accented hum of pro and contra, of dogs' ancient invectives, of race abreast of reality. Sign no petition, underground signs. Under the ancien regime, we are, were initialing entries, lurches and failure. The new state of painting, read the new state. Camouflage, to think in asides and aisles at this stage. Employment and deployment ventilated paper, the horizon and the horizon's caricature. Journalists developed a falsetto. Name it, what's its? Two, name one, individually named, signboards, named themselves, named by others, unnamed themselves, did not name themselves historicism. Since named, named not yet, does not recognize the odyssey. Charivari constitutes a kind of primitivism to which he and the marginalia, Stephen Rudy's put to chapters, Dada a definition, Dada's temper, and Berlin Dada index extracted him the last but for one entry. Text, OP, 15, as is, and I shall speak to this. Three, temperature around the edges, temperature at large, temperature by itself, temperature for a variety show, temperature in an unprecedented manner, temperature in his mind, having devalued string, bane disbanded, name dustbin, run on without title breaks, the only indication, unnamed sources limped out. I'll close with two recent poems. Griot Riot, with an epigraph. 
did not review the book, he reviewed his prejudices against modern poetry, Melvin B. Tolson. Laying oil over oil, egg emulsion over dry pigment, a companion to vision, proprius or what is one's own interpolation. To win the book of songs during and pin all probability on it, we also address the question, why do cultural movements need performative stances and manifestos? Supplement or substrate, substance, subject to will whatsoever. Near the surface is a slat brought by the Carpathian Basin's non-chronological pronouncements. With the advent of agriculture and its attendant technologies by which the human extends his hand, etc., I am thinking of a word that rhymes with nurture. The arms have worn away. Worn away are the armaments against an addendum of notes. You left your umbrella here. Worn away are the armaments. Some speak through aphorism, others harangue, still others enlist reasoning arguments. Wanting the hearer to do something, the tracking number is a name. Salt silver, close to the surface, that brought about excavating a decidedly chronological thesis in glass jars, the loss to your person, what is one's own coin of the missing dynastic imperative. Please pass the salt, silver. To change the current state of affairs by summoning the ochre, a bias to sediment and letting it settle, a companion to jars. In fly swatter negativity of the missing dynastic imperatives, it behooved her to change the current by summoning the brow, prow for a world that ought to be but that does not yet know its crazy notes. The directive for vectors, which that, he asked, the bias started. This bias started in 1800 when William Wordsworth published the preface to the lyrical ballads. Gift idea, frame, the lunatic, then the very discursive model of the lunatic. Painted surface, exhortive of prophetic, where did I read this? Technique, a companion to vision, wishing to know the transmitters, attic wit and nerve is that. Transdanubian communities procured their salt along the routes mentioned above. Again, thanks to Melvin B. Tolson, we have Vamp Avant Pied with two epigraphs. Why should a man in this age of anesthesiology seek reef, relief in the bark of the toothache tree yet? Between America's epigraph and epitaph yet, Melvin B. Tolson. Of wants that lay in aught, choking on the index, indeterminate, ancient pain, why subsonic sounds you hear of learned pain and obligation do indict 
an untenable posit position backspace. Practices pronounced the betwixt and between. In laughter you acquit the betwixt divided by half and half helped into the indecent, parentheses brooding on, reasoning resonance, too much reverb lay in the epilogue, granted a summoning beyond exodus, simulcast go forth and between and half cough decibels untenable. Prologue, profane morph, you do brood. Hands tied to book, some designations anonymous and yet. Parentheses subsonic self-correcting tape. And the index that contravenes title and thesis, Congress of Papery, Fuhrer I read first to oblige the most inscribed script. In authorities who are profusely off screen, by half reading scripturally wealthy ancient pain, through aggravated indices whose authority writes the author's book, whereas ascending gainsay is opposite ocean front. Here are now sacrament a culture of the sun very much in the contemporary style. Are you? Make conspicuous evident of heresy to be reasonable. With antihistamine extruded from a leaf, the modern chemist, in commencement, inclined to a very limited, in number very little, since rebellion is clearly illegitimate to the existing. Amphitheater from dawn's shouting white, rubric speak to me. Not too transgressed is this mylar, leaf-turning eventful type so that in reverse no longer intelligible, mendicant but legible as such throughout the transistor dust in supposing that, espouse to the amp, seemingly discursive is she likewise, opaque, tireless frequenting a culture of expenditure hitherto, hands tied to archive, marginalia expiring in the conjecture, hastened the before and after from dark to dusk and dawn to drawn out indebtedness, to where the poet likes to start from an untenable moonlight, the photocopier in moonlight. Although you answer the question I asked, but not the one I meant, let me take another facsimile of the sun's formidable page and dragged impenetrable authorship of which may be indices, mostly prior names, mostly cited are not spectacular, Corridors in the sloping ground devolves. Mylar that takes a bend and fold but does not find a solution. Finds an antidote. To the lexical comes the graphical intellect the other said, wrote, and retaliated. First, antagonism. Of graphical and lexical registers as is the transparency you clapped Interference of verbal moments swerving through the long exposure to diaspora and the sloping ground among nations. You do indict. Onto staves drawn out legible and odyssey freely ad hoc, not aleatory. 
The other writhed and wrote, upheaval from which documents and entities were to elapse from the backspace, diametrically opposite. Full stop ran the labyrinth as the match smoke bespeaks. Thank you. Um, okay, so Michael Davidson is professor of literature at the University of California, San Diego. He's the author of the San Francisco Renaissances, a long list, Poetics and Community at Mid-Century, Ghostly or Demarcations, Modern Poetry in the Material World, Guys Like Us, Citing Masculinity in Cold War Poetics, and Concerto for the Left Hand, Disability and the Defamiliar Body. His most recent book, Outskirts of Form, Practicing Cultural Poetics, was published in 2011 by Wesleyan University Press. He's the editor of the new collected poems of George Oppen. Um, this is a lot. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying it even now. I'm sort of like, this is a lot of stuff. He's the author of five books of poetry, including The Arcades and Bleed Through, a new and selected published by Coffee House in 2013. He's the co-author with Linda Jenny and Barrett Watton and Ron Silliman of Leningrad. One imagines Michael Davidson's mind as a neurological traffic jam of poetry knowledge. To recite the titles of his many critical books in no way does justice to the ease and authority of his critical voice on cultural poetics, that is, aspects and factors contributing to the emergence of a particular or specific poetry and specific and shared poetic intention, masculine and regional and ethnic. What is a poet when he's visited by such a vast body of knowledge about contemporary poetry's historicism? I don't think we can take the answer to this question for granted. We need a cultural studies study of the new poet-scholar, the rise of that post-Bohemian subject in the late 20th and early 21st century. It's breathtaking, the body of ordered information Michael Davidson had close at hand. I think this also about a very few people, about Charles Bernstein and Fred Moten, Joan Retallick, Emile Alkaley. How do the poems work? How will they work? Can I fairly assume that there's something like bleed through between the critical operation and what I can only describe as the poetic engine, that part of the mind that willfully engages in verse play unbidden? Is this a simple question? And that's the only question. From Leisure, which is in arcades, the impecunious or marginal of an otherwise leisure Consume labels at 8%, blunt instrument of sequence, imitates the fantastic of trauma until these dead animals arise in opera and wear their wearers. I love the breathlessness of that poem. Isn't that the way of a new formalism? Not the line made of breath, but the line struggling to breathe. We maintain our interest in the fantastic of trauma in this way, by breathing on trauma, poetry making a pitter-pattering sound over the century's wars and concepts, raising up its baby arm to say Sophie, to mention one's ongoing rapture over, say, Whitehead, say. One iterates love of poetry via the bewildering and lonesome act of scribbling. Like Michael Davidson, one writes and writes and writes. We recover poetry each time we bend to its task, it rides us, it whispers in our ear, a poem for every day, 
for every turn of every idea. Please welcome Michael Davidson. Neurological traffic jam really makes sense to me. I'll tell you, that's, that's really terrific, Simone. Thanks. I want to thank Simone and Laura for inviting me here. And I'm really honored to be here with uh, Marjorie, who um, was, uh, I'm really indebted to for pushing this book forward. I don't think I would have submitted it if it hadn't been for her encouragement. So I'm really uh, grateful to her. Um, Bleed Through is a, is a uh, title that has many associations for me, but uh, the, the obvious one is, the, is my interest in the poem as interrupted by or in, in, um, intruded upon by prior texts and other information that uh, interrupts the train of thought and, and brings new material into it. And, uh, of course, the, the metaphor that's actually on the cover is the, the idea of the, uh, the recto and the verso constantly bleeding through into each other. I also have a, a, a physical condition called hemophilia. My blood doesn't clot, and so it's a, it's a double-barreled uh, reference to uh, the body and also the body of the text at the same time. So I'm going to read... Uh, from each of the books that are contained in this uh, new and selected uh, poems, beginning with a po- the opening poem from The Prose of Fact. This is called Title. At the same time, next week is a few degrees away, but he thinks it starts over, the bear slipping into place, Orion lower and to the right, and Sagittarius, whose month he is, has never seen, is to the south. What connects us is is, two forms keeping their distance. Their conversations with the Minotaur have been recorded, have been recorded. This is the opening poem from The Landing of Rochambeau. It's called The Dream Dream. I'm in the book, or book. I see my name answering back. I am in a building with stalls. I fall asleep in the book. Each stall sells a different cure. The doors are locked, which is a cure. I am in her house. These are my friends. The ramps and stairs are steep. He offers to open the doors for a price. I am outraged. I am 18 and riding a plane made of glass. The books rise to the ceiling. There is, are, a man, men, chasing me with pincers. I am 21 and riding a plane, and someone named me gives me my name. My name is hers. She is 21 or 18, depending on the boat or book or the name for you that is very small and hard to spell or why I need to read it. I am late for the boat, but it will wait. It is not a boat, but a wake. Um, these are some variations on a series of um, uh, grammatical um, phrases that were used in somebody's PhD exam, and I got really bored with the exam, so I, <laughs> it's what you do in exams where you're bored, you can uh, figure out what the person is really saying. So uh, we begin with the phrase and then my kind of um, divertissement. He works hard. A man breaks rocks with his bare hands. I hope it works out. Standing before the mirror, he regards the body lifting weights as my own. 
She made a big mistake. She can tell that the dough has risen by the sound of exploding light bulbs. We should be on time. He stands on his watch, tapping his foot while she reads a map. I will reach my goal. I already understand the padlock. I am in school. It's easier to say than I am during school. That happens in life. When two trains going in opposite directions pass, sometimes a man walking toward the rear of the car appears to be standing still. She is excellent in her field. She is buried up to her neck, but her voice is admired by the forest creatures. He will rise to the top. A man follows his bubbles. She set her goal. Pouring the concrete first and then adding the wicket brought the crowd to their feet. We will reach our aim. It's hard to do with only two arms. He put it in words. First he pounded it senseless with a mallet. I disagree with Plato when he says that. He was around here a minute ago. We have a small problem, but then we are very small. Your meaning is clear. I can see straight through you. Through you. you must understand it in context. In their country, the steering wheel is on the right side in order to accommodate their toll booths. They have a good interpersonal relationship. Anything would be obscene. I determine it on my scale of success. In the left-hand dish, I put a list of my achievements. In the right, I place my fist. This is common in the world. He placed a potato between two facing mirrors. This one's called Mixed Aryan. The parochial blessings of an all-too-familiar ethnicity call to mind our youth in Windsor Parish, which returns this windy night as a dream of parents who speak on the subject of our neighborhoods or the separation of prose and verse. It hardly matters. You are a white boy in a green world. Power is held by the few. We are enslaved, and so forth. You pick up the theme from the genes and submit it as your civics project in fifth period, for which you get a C from Mrs. Callis. But what did you expect? She's a teacher and probably a member of the party, as they told you at the American Legion Convention. Later, you work for the Weenie King and learn what goes on in fairyland. Radicalization comes slow among the painfully self-conscious, where to see a tree is to become the wind or the music it calls to mind to see it with. It's hard to regard a tree as a commodity, but you learn, and there are others handing you books covertly at first, and then in broad daylight. As your color changes, the tax base remains the same. Soon you are almost Italian, then French. Whole vistas of the underprivileged are revealed in the pages of Max Weber, which is very black and white. And soon these tropes have come full circle to enclose you as the wind last night kept you awake, only to heighten what the darkness gave you back, if fitfully, and which continues in another form, though you will seem to have invented it yourself, and this too is a blessing.
This one's called The Second City. Even though there are motorized conveyances, I am on foot. Even though there's a map, I negotiate the streets by landmark. There are no landmarks, but a series of edges common to several cities. The hill is in San Francisco. The great shopping district with its glittering windows and esplanade before the fountain is in New York. And the river with its bridges is in Paris. I'm working on the park with its glass botanical gardens, marble pillars in the distance, left over from the exposition. There's probably a hill from which I descend and arrive at the market district below, clearly indicated by the word brick, like those on the west side of Buffalo. To make this descent is to parse the terrifying grid of hill cities, roads dead-ending against canyons, barriers where a street careens into space and continues below, bearing the same name, so that a second city rises out of the forgotten one, more pointed because not yet filled in by monument or palisade, the place where water touches land and forms a line, the leaf-like veins of streets. It is too late for the bus, and I must walk from North Beach to the Bronx, or something with a B, through the middle city, the place a middle occupies when you are no longer familiar, and the buildings have only been seen by night from a car and by lights. I am afraid someone will address me in French, and I will forget the word for myself, having so recently arrived. And yet to be a stranger is to be swallowed up without words, without glasses, bearing an envelope with a numbered series. In the second city, I live out the dream of the first, living neither for its access and glamour, nor dying from its disregard, simply talking toward the twin spires of an ancient cathedral, like a person becoming like a person. This is called cloud. It doesn't show but I'm making up a new word to replace Plato with a tape delay. But that's two words, one for you and one the first makes possible, impossible to say, in unison. But in time, a cloud will return in the same shape, and you call upon an ion to verify an elephant. But he'll say anything. The power of suggestion is water. He never forgets. This is called the terror. When we come full circle to the rose garden in the imaginary, will we remember the terror, the names whose crimes are invented in order to have something else to kill, the king's absent face at the window across from the dock, the names of the trains that run on time for the first time? I think of this when I read of the stupidity of princes with breakfast. By midday, the stock market has made one of them rich, and part of my breakfast has bought his lunch and paid someone to espalier his roses across an adobe wall. They never die. The pronouns become so malleable they refer to anyone, but never oneself. Something must be exchanged for the privilege of joining a word to its source. Something must not fit for its replacement to be the wrong size. Then the terror begins in the hot weather, when they drain all the pools and the bidding wars keep them empty. The contractor who will inherit the earth is figuring out how to do it, even as we speak. Just listen. A 
Um, the arcades, uh, as you might imagine, is uh, kind of indebted to Walter Benjamin's great um, uh, arcades project. And um, I was writing them uh, while I was teaching a course on uh, consumerism and commodity culture. And so there, every day after reading whatever the text was for that day, whether it was Marx or Benjamin or, or uh, whatever, uh, Thorsten Veblen and so forth, um, I would try and amalgamate some of that material into these rather um, collaged uh, pieces. So the first one is, I think, uh, behind this first one called foreclosure is really the, the question of where the aesthetic lies in relationship to uh, the commodity. Although the relationship will seem utterly oblique, I'm sure. An intention to whiteness, removal of the frame, removal of the sky and its border, where the flat of Kansas meets the flat place there. One is put out of sight, that a tilt site with distant silo, cloud flanked and field, might remember position, the placement sound, and sense voice without angle, equaling a barn slumped into earth, hay spilled in a blank field, the foreclosed and tenantless grid that an intention to whiteness writes back, resists. This one's called Exposition. The silhouette of a person who escapes us. Seen from the side, she is a repetition of X's, the one to whom a letter is pointed. A classical figure facing the future as a point of defense or a port of departure. A four-gated city marked by railroads. In her hoops and bustles, she is kept endlessly circulating, never sitting. Clothing becomes flowers. He intersects with metal, mobility without progress. She wears a social order, hat upon broomstick, sabots thrown into machines. Thus the union was born of a series of nouns, poorly defined positions modified by exchange. She is turned into triangles, walking bells. She becomes a movable type. At a certain point they discover boredom, an index of collective sleep. Mimed by machines that seem to wither, seem to whir with a divine detachment, one aspires to become a balloon. One floats above fountains worked by invisible steam engine, fountain in the shape of dolphins, shells, and aquatic plants. We fall away from ourselves, drifting in and out of sleep, occasionally waking to wave a small flag. Upon waking, we are already a moving crowd, able to be read. Observing the crowd from the standpoint of a Russian novel, we gradually become a conveyance, a position, a plural, something seen. Mapping, which has an epigraph by Megan Morris, who uh, is a um, kind of feminist historian who writes about shopping culture. And she says, in one way, all shoppers may be cruising grammarians. Back of the front lay something black, peopled with familiars, clothed in such, or actions stuffed with portent, point, and a person shuffles, by, and a stranger smiles. In this arranged and portioned glass, one finds the known, the vestige, of a lived that can be carried in a marked sack to the next western village with ice rink, hilltown with subterranean pool, parking with vegetables, 
A woman pushing a pram is snapped from an eye in the roof, image developed in a humming room she is not permitted to see, but in strolling, not buying, extends, complicates these aisles until meanders seem pointed, where upon waking for a brief moment, one is lost. Save your receipt. This is called Zombies. Um, it's based on George Romero's uh, Dawn of the Dead, which the zombies take over a shopping mall. It's the greatest image of consumerism I can think of. Moving on to policy, blue lights at the boulevard palpitate through blank air, prodding a sleeper into restless jeremiad. Shoppers in shirt sleeves, guys with yellow stakes, furnish Civic with a warehouse, first logo, then buy shares. I was in malls. Friends were buying wallets and guns as normal music pumped through the Narcissus corridor. Teens were contagious by telephones. What is improved is the passive, while banks make silent, smooth, soothing speech. Those had been ghosts, now with earrings and biceps of money become text. Waking in a jungle, the owner ponders agency. Was I dream or camp stove? Are these hollows infinite with mortgage in 15 years? The shapes clamoring for flesh are actually money seeking heat. They spy you emerging from accessories like a fresh wind and follow you to the elevator. Um, this, is a, um, this is called translation, and it's a, a loose translation of Baudelaire's uh, Lucine, the, the swan. And in that poem, uh, uh, a swan has gotten out of his cage in the uh, reconstruction that Baron Haussmann was doing for, uh, in the Second Empire and uh, gets his wings all muddy and is uh, flopping through the, through the urban uh, redevelopment. Against the black sea of a black night, a single light of the duty-free shop blazing on a broadcast horizon. All the drowned sailors are restored by its siren. Desert becomes lawn. Old neighborhoods are an allegory one steps through. The predictable and repeated windows filled with the glass of novelty that by wearing become new as a pilgrim arrives refreshed in Jerusalem. I think of you, hapless shopper, stepping through mirrors with a map of Troy, only to find yourself frozen in representation like a swan in Audubon. Dead sweaters roam the aisles searching for lost husbands. Within the cloacal streets of the old city that gather like phlegm in the throat, new boulevards form in the mind of a white architect nearing the end of a life spent among the dark consonants, the mass. We would be signs dragging once snowy plumage through ravaged construction sites that progress raised visible portions of itself to explain the benefits of speed, the violet frisson of acceleration. Where was Africa? Someone in an office of tusks on the 14th floor asks. And in the absence of palms and musk, a museum of masks retains these black distances behind protective glass. In the Isles of Exile, I think of forgotten sailors who search the horizon for a solid thing when wings are signs of harbor 
frozen like script in Azure and bring back junk for the stalls. And then I'll read a a few of the the new poems uh, in the book. Uh, There's a series at the beginning here called Bad Modernism. Uh, This one uh, begins with an epigraph from John Ashbery that many of you will recognize. Suddenly all is loathing. And there's plenty to be unhappy about. If I can just get the reception area festooned in time for their arrival, paper cups and those little plastic quetzits, so that, gorged on meaning, they troop through the glass doors seeking interpretation. First floor, mildly historical. Second floor, dense uh, desire matrix. Parents accompany their indiscretions straight to the penthouse, and someone hands them a phone. Turtles, they're called, heads bobbing, as though they had a choice to be party favors. Deep structure on your left, follow the clicking to a white cube. We only work part-time. The other part, we illustrate profound malaise. I like these cream-filled versions, so unlike what we get at home. Having said which, we rewind the tape, slip it through a slot marked aha, and take the L home. The smell you smell afar is something boiling over. And this is called uh, Bad Modernism, the White City, and it's uh, uh, based on the Colombian exposition of 1896, was it? Anyway, the the Great Exposition in in Chicago, which was called the White City because it was um, uh, lit up by electrical lights, but it was also white because it was um, (laughs) excluded anybody of color, of course, except uh, down on Midway Plaisance, where you could see the the African village and the Indian village and all of the the anthropological exposition exhibits along with the, um, the freak show. Bad Modernism, the White City. When the rotor hums for a long time among the gawkers, I fall into a ghost trance and become a white man again. Nothing must penetrate this history because nothing can be distinguished from itself. Down on Midway Plaisance, amid the lights, the dark beauties offer darkness. The eyes go there while the will stands still. In the Hall of Dynamos, the dead warriors will return in a language no one remembers. They have a stall in the Pavilion of Silence. The ears go there, searching for treaties, tales of the elders. From up here, the land is all parcels, like one of the new paintings. Nothing penetrates this illusion. Prose covers the brown earth, and in the hum of its scroll can be heard a crowd of the visitors clamoring at the entrance with their tickets to the White City. This is called Poor Yorick. I'm in receipt of these formula missives that washed in with the tide and littered the literal, provoking troop leader to Jeremiah. Ballast of comfort, bloated McNational simulcast, soundbite, and deregulated spam filter public options for publics shared with. The histories they recount have left their listeners blanched but the damage they inflict on this card house of rectitude endures in the late night sweats when they play the uncut version. I was once you, but you have detached yourself from my invention to take up the pen and write back in a sputtering apostrophe, 
a voluntary of indignation that casts its shade on my adamantine torso. Dead head of the Pope, eye of Cyclops. Then came the deaf period, followed by Gainsborough, shepherd boys with dogs fighting. From a distance, we thought they were mangoes or shipwrecked papaya. How disappointing to find the Duomo under scaffold. Open file, select dust. Their subject is Rome Imperium, among vassals and migrants still crossing the Alps in search of technology and healthcare. Nothing changes but the quality of rage you anticipate in the smile once seen among the middling sorts where everyone has lost her accent. First light, lost friend, send key, find map. The person I was born with is walking the ramparts with the person he was dying to become. Please stay on the line, and the next representative will represent you. This is called the rapture. He's back, he's back, her husband Everett said, she said, just before she climbed through the sunroof and jumped off the moving car, causing a 20-car pileup outside Little Rock. Everett said she saw Jesus standing by the side of the road and 12 disciples floating in the air. As it turns out, wind blew the tarp off a truck and 12 blow-up sex dolls filled with helium lifted into the sky. The long-haired driver on his way to a toga party pulled over, got out, looked up, lifted his arms into heaven. She was dead. When asked why his wife would do such a thing, Everett replied, I think my wife loved Jesus more than she loved me. True story, apparently. This is a poem for my son, Ryder, who um, was at the New School, and uh, this kind of recounts the day when he and I had to part for the first time, and those of you who have children who have gone off to college know that, that day when you're separating finally, and it's a very poignant moment. It's almost true. I'm in this mirrored room, sorting out the infinite excess of me, down that series of overtones, each expanding the terms of this aperture that is both blind and overcome with vision. Cancel my order. You're there, in a way, watching me attempt to climb around my image so that I can see backstage the ungainly props and even the logo on the back of your T-shirt, Rurbo, the unpronounceable action of capital in the infinitive form that allows so many actors, and in two rooms we sort out our dreaded parting like a couple of molecules that have decided to live in opposite bodies. You take the subway home, and I'll fly back to normal heights. The mirror of solitude becomes the window of care, through which the tonic prefers endlessly its hand. You can always return. This one's called Grace. While billeted among participial and other progressive forms, frames of indiscretion recombine into plausible stories of origin, so that upon becoming grammar, one hypothetically strikes one's forehead on a sentence striving to form itself into the subject, capital S, the residue of tower, codex, and ceremonial song to explain these barriers to terminus recur intermittently during the day. 
so that upon meeting him halfway home, one would never know what bullets penetrate the memory theater, striking a patron as inconceivable to the plot and necessary to language, whereupon he concludes this little tale of our first parents burnished in grace. And a couple of uh, newer poems... Uh, I wanted to read these because um, I've had some hearing trouble over the last year or so. I, I, I don't hear in my left ear, and I almost hear nothing out of my right ear. And um, occasionally, it has to do with tumors. I won't go into details, but um, uh, occasionally I become completely deaf. And um, during that period, it's a very alienating experience. Uh, I, you know, I can't have conversations. I can't hear anything, and, and my own voice just sounds like this... Um, this, uh, this, it's in a cavern, basically. In fact, I'm not even quite sure if I'm resonating with you because I can't quite hear my own voice as my voice. It's somebody else's voice out there that's uh, ventriloquizing through me. Anyway, uh, so I've been trying to write a series of uh, poems that deal with the drone phenomenon. I hear this, this heavy tinnitus. And so the poems themselves are, are a little um, obscure, but uh, they're really much more about the sounds that I am having trouble hearing and, and the confusions of sound. So this one's called, this is the first one called Drone. A robust but not insouciant clamor for noise, not heavily, but division is preferable to drone, where wine departs from fleck or belt. Inflection is a distant horizon. I cook pepper's interrogative is not I am cooking peppers, yet they stay, inflecting the air as tinnitus continual. In three weeks, this steroid panopticon stares back at a largely visual display with the occasional pop of a door or ping of some timer telling me fish. A phantom stands oddly poised in the doorway, oddly human. So that verbs fall away, why use them to describe motion? When objects fall on your head and make a hollow noise, the drone captures silence in its slithery net and disperses water around the cochlea. The shell hears the sea, they say. But humans are phantoms, holding money and desires through conversation. Their shirts crinkle with gladness. Their skirts rustle in a novel. The sex scenes used to be on my side. Now they lie on the page, hugging the margin of a once body, now mannequin. Waking in fog, padding through the carpeted, and down the blank to the machine, I dream of ambitious tires rolling over macadam, cherries crunched, and Janacek intimate letters, so quiet, without pitch, yet vigorous in pursuit of dance or nation. I defer to those clanking guts that growl in the higher registers. So ephemeral are these vibrations that squeak their way through exotoses to the coil, and then to Idaho, faint dream of diving into clear water and mealfoil to swim in a silence of one's own stroke. This is intimacy one speaks through, and reciprocated, you make a noise. The body is a hollow, 
and words flower, follow, as if you were having a conversation with yourself. It is a gray alphabet, but you get to choose. Now it is time to saute or braise. The names for tongue meets verb are in this book, Meet Me by the Ancient Weir. You will arrive and knock on my head. Nothing to be done, followed by nothing to be done. And this one also called The Drone. Gradually, summer is sapping humor, replaced by the drone that hums in the bass, whether it's there or not, reminding here of its newness. And then, weather permitting, a view of Guelph, the Malvern Hills, single malt. Mostly it's just us, the sound of us not telling jokes, the grasshopper named Bill, or the one about and there it is, my obligato doppelganger interrupting this endless life with the tympanum of limit, gross body intercepting time like an amplifier reverb. It's a diversion from the big drone, family fraying at the edges, one of us underwater, one clawing at the surface as if to swim away from itself, because down deep you hear in the bone, and the bone plays a cannon on Bach, where the sharks skitter away and the rays make a carpet of fluttering wings. You want to temper this scale as if it were not made out of you. You want number to replace the drone that is made of number. The ones turning on a fiery spit have been your friends. The ones looking to you for advice are made of stone. We're all drowning with you. Tell me the one about the fish that comes into the bar, the panda, the rabbi, and the kangaroo. Almost anything relinquishes air from air. Nice shoes. The peanuts are complimentary. And I'm going to close with this one called rebarbative, a word whose meaning I've never understood, so the poem is an attempt to understand it. I repudiate rebarbative, a word surrounded by microbes wanting to enter the enigma like an asteroid and causing panic among the follicles, followed by a fluid emitted at the first sign of coagulation. Naming is a queer connection between a missing arm and its ghostly pain, that the word excites when encountered in a trench or under a bridge. I was once a whole name in a neighborhood of partials. I remembered their faces from the photos attached to their chests. You were the one with hair. You were known as the diver. Many meanings have traveled to Asia where refreshed, they reemerge in Kensington, their lanterns a panopticon of nostalgia, Penny Lane, a clean machine. Even when the lyrics fade, the space they occupied returns in a float. Over there, we had an Asia you could pay people to sweep. No can do anymore. The digital link rejects the tea house. Pinkerton is applauded in Houston, while Bechtel rebuilds a bank. We have been in this place for going on 900 years, and still I get a kick out of language. It's so like, thank you. The Poetry Project has promoted, fostered, and inspired the reading and writing of contemporary poetry since 1966. Consider supporting us by checking out a reading, becoming a member, or donating at poetryproject.org. 